Hallelujah. Well, let's prepare our hearts for the word this morning. Amen. We're going to the book of Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. We're going to start reading at verse 11. So it's Hebrews chapter 5. I'm um, going to start reading at verse 11. And I'm in the CSB version today. Amen. Hebrews chapter chapter 5, verse 11. Amen. Did I say 11 chapter? Okay. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. Let me make sure I got it together. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. And I'm in the CSB. Amen. And, and, and it reads, it says, oh, well, let me let me back up just a little bit and give you the background here. Uh, Paul is talking. We believe the writer of Hebrews is Paul. It doesn't specifically say it, but it's his style and the way he writes. And he's he was teaching about this priest called Melchizedek that we see in, uh, in, in Genesis who showed up to Abraham and he's teaching and, his, and this is a kind of a deep subject, a deep context, amen, that he's dealing with. And then he picks up there, he, he, this is what he says. He says, we have a great deal to say about this and it is difficult to explain why, but since you have become too lazy to understand Although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk, not solid food. Verse 13 says, now everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature. I'm going to say it again. Solid food is for the mature. And for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. Amen. If you'll give me your time this morning, I want to talk to you a very simple subject called maturity. Maturity. Amen. And the subtitle is, which Pentecost are you going back to? Amen. Which Pentecost are you going back to? I believe the Holy Spirit will make it clear today. So, Lord God, we thank you. Speak your word today like only you can. Make it plain to all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Maturity. We're going to talk about maturity today. Amen. Which Pentecost are you going back to? Which one are you attending? There's a, a celebration. You know, today is Pentecost Sunday. Amen. And, and I'm going to talk about this in, in detail a little bit later. But just as a background, Pentecost, uh, we know mostly uh, the book of Acts chapter 2, when the disciples were in the upper room after Jesus had told them uh, to uh, tarry here in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Amen. He said, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Amen. And so we know that to be the day of Pentecost. But what we sometimes don't understand is that Pentecost was actually a Jewish festival that was taking place. So it was already the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out. And that festival, and again, I'll get into it in a little bit, but that festival commemorates the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. Amen. And so it was one of the festivals, one of the feasts that all the Jewish males were required to attend. Uh, he said three times a year they had to come before him. So when we think about that, it makes sense why on the day of Pentecost that they had Jews from every nation under heaven that were in Jerusalem. Amen. On that day, because they were required already to be there. Amen. And so when the Holy Spirit poured was poured out on the day of Pentecost, and, and that's why we, they were as they were speaking in tongues you had people from all these nations hearing and understanding the words that they were saying even though they were all from Galilee amen and so we have to see there's two different 
Pentecost that we think of, there's one that's the giving of the law. And then there's another one that's the giving of the spirit. Amen. And so we're celebrating, amen, the giving of the spirit. Glory to God. We're, we've been in a series on the uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit. We've been in a series really uh, talking about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to continue in that today. One of the things that the Holy Spirit comes to do in and through us, amen, is to grow us up. Amen. I'm talking about maturity. Amen. We had to drive out to the country yesterday uh, to attend a funeral. Uh, yesterday, our cousin's husband, who is, has become family to us, amen, he lost his mother, and they laid her to rest yesterday afternoon, amen, and, and they have a young daughter about 18 months old. I mean, she's just the sweetest thing. I love her so much, amen, and we got a text uh, that they needed the diaper bag to be brought in, uh, that they needed, well, they needed the diaper bag uh, because she was getting a little restless up front. Amen. And so, well, of course, you know, uh, Sister Felicia goes uh, to get the diaper bag. And of course, if you know Sister Felicia, you know, she didn't just take the bag. She brought the bag and the baby back to the car. Amen. Glory to God. And so uh, it turns out, you know, again, she was just busy up front. She was she, um, you know, needed to be taken out to avoid some distractions. So we we brought her to the car and we had the music playing and she was just as content. Uh, she sat down, ate a little bit and she was content about till about the service was over. Amen. And then we took her back. And you know what? Nobody was upset at her. Nobody was angry at, 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 at the little baby because she's a baby. She was doing what babies do. Amen. And everybody knows that pews make terrible playpens. Amen. Pews make terrible playpens. Amen. The pews aren't designed for babies. We have children's church for that. Amen. The, the pews are designed for Christians who come and they want to come and hear the word and they want to grow. Amen. I remember growing up and I was so excited to get out of children's church uh, when I was growing up in church. It was, I was ready to be with the big folks upstairs, you know, and it only took about two services. Amen. And I was like, wait, no snack. Uh, no, no outside time. What happened? I, I graduated. Amen. I graduated to the next level and I wanted to go back. But you know what? It was too late. I was old and it was time to grow up. Amen. And, and I learned a lesson that age, when I became, you know, a little older, age doesn't equal maturity. Amen. Family, many of us in the church, we have a choice to make. It's time to grow up. Amen. Many, many people in churches have been sitting in the pews but haven't made the decision to grow up. Amen. We have too many spiritual babies in the church. I know this might not be a popular message, but it's right because the Lord gave it to me and I'm going to declare it. Amen. We have too many spiritual babies in the church. God is looking for some folks, some mature saints, some people that want to grow up and represent the image and likeness of God. Amen. And the, the writer of Hebrews, he echoes this. Let's go back to that. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. He was trying to teach them about a difficult subject or a, a, a kind of a deep concept. And you know what? He had to just stop. He had to just stop. He said, we, we have a great deal to say about this, and it's difficult to explain. It's not difficult for me to explain it. It's difficult for you to understand it. He said, because you've become too lazy to understand. Oh, my God. He said, although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation all over again. He said, you've come to need milk and not solid food. He said they were supposed to be growing up, but they were growing down. They were going backwards. Oh, glory to God. Amen. Do you hear the disappointment in his writing? 
there's a disappointment. Why? Because there was an expectation. He was saying, you know what? I came and I equipped you to grow. I had an expectation that when I left you, you would come back and do the things that I had you to do. I expected you to be about the work of God. I expected you to be a little further along than you are right now. He said, I was, I, was, I was coming. I was ready to give your, you your first assignment. I was ready to send you out, but now I can't because you need somebody to teach you all over again. You're still a baby. We have to go back to the, to the beginning. We have to go back to milk. Now, family, understand there's nothing wrong with being a baby for a time. Amen. There, there's nothing wrong with being a baby because we all come into this life. I don't care how old you are. When you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you, you're a babe. Amen. You're a baby. You're a spiritual baby. And so you have to kind of start out on milk. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, it says, like newborn infants desire the pure milk of the word. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. But look at the intention as he goes on. He says, desire the pure milk of the word. So what? So that you may grow. So that you may grow up into your salvation. Amen. It's time to put on the big boy clothes. Amen. It's time to put on the big girl clothes. Amen. It's time to grow up. Like I said, nobody was upset at my little baby cousin. Amen. But don't try to pull that off when you're eight or you're ten. Glory to God. Why? Because we, we would have a problem then because you should know better by then. Amen. We have to grow up. Amen. It's okay. You know, and, and God expects us to grow. Matter of fact, he's equipped the church to help us grow. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. It says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, we call that the fivefold ministry, amen. I believe that is still a, a thing for today, amen. Verse 12, why did he give these gifts? Equipping the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ. So he gave these gifts to equip us to serve, to equip us to do the work that God would have us to do, which means there's an expectation for us to be doing the work. But we can't do the work when we're babies. Look at this. Look at verse 13. This was the purpose. This was the goal. He says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's son, growing into maturity, watch this, with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. He's saying, I'm expecting you to grow up to look like Jesus. That's why a part of our vision is to love God and what? And live like Jesus. So then we can help others do the same. Amen. Look at verse 14, Ephesians 4, 14. He says, when we grow up, then we will no longer be children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. It amazes me sometimes how easily that some saints can go off into some strange doctrines, can go off into some weird stuff that doesn't even match up with the Word of God. And we do it because we don't know what the Word says. Because we're still on milk. And somebody comes with something different and we can't recognize it because we're still on table food. We're still dealing with milk. We haven't matured enough to know the difference. Oh, glory to God. He says, he says, strong meat belongs to them that by reason of use 
have their senses exercised to what? To discern both good and evil. We have to use the word. We have to use the word that we're getting. We have to study to show ourselves approved unto God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. That's what God calls us to do. And when we do that, then, then the next wind of doctrine that comes along, we, it, we won't be so easily swayed by it. Why? Because we're grounded in the truth. Oh, glory to God. I remember when I was in the military, we would go out to the field and we would we would have these tents, amen. And and, and we we uh we used to have the to set up the poles and the big long beam on the middle, and that thing was heavy, man. Oh my God, it was heavy. And then uh, 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 a little while after that, we got these things called A-frames. Oh, we love those A-frames. It was just a little frame, you just snapped it together, put some pins in, you were done. Throw the canvas over there, and it was ready to go. Amen. But the problem was um, it, it when the wind would blow, if you didn't have it staked down, the wind would just come and just turn the whole thing over. Amen. You'd be chilling under the under the sky and all of a sudden you're looking at the sky. Glory to God. It just the wind just comes and just takes it over. Why? Because it wasn't properly grounded. And this is what happens to a lot of saints. We're not properly grounded. So the enemy blows the wind and we just fall apart. We just turn over. We just go face up. Whatever. Whatever you believe. Whatever you're saying. That's right. Come on now. We have to be grounded in the word of God. Amen. There's an expectation for us to grow up. Hallelujah. If we're going to live like Jesus. Amen. If we're going to grow up, family, we have to have the goal of looking like him. Thinking like him. Doing the things that he would have us to do. Amen. Please understand, when we were originally created, when man was originally created, we were created in the image and the likeness of God. Amen. That's what happened in the garden. He made man in his image and in his likeness. Amen. Now, what does that mean? It means that, well, let, let's look at a couple things. One, God's chief moral characteristic, his chief moral characteristic of God is righteousness. God is righteous. Amen. He's holy. He's righteous. Amen. And so because we're created in his image and likeness, we desire righteousness. That's why we become infuriated over injustice. Amen. When we see injustice. Why? Because we're made in the image and likeness of God. So we desire righteousness. Amen. God's chief governmental characteristic or the way that he rules is self-determination. Means that God decides what he wants to do and he does it. Glory to God. And nobody can challenge him when he does it. Amen. And so he gave us free will. He gave us the ability to decide for ourselves how we want to live. Now, he gave us guidelines and rules, but he doesn't make us choose. He gave us choice. He gave us free will. That's why we become so infuriated when our freedoms are taken. Amen. When somebody challenges our freedom and they're imposing on our freedom, we get upset about it. Why? Because we're made in the image and likeness of God. And he is a self-determinate being and he made us the same way. Amen. God's chief emotional characteristic is love. It's love. Amen. He created us then to give and receive love. That's why we become so infuriated with one group of people that can be so cold and so calloused toward another group of people. Why? Because we're made in the image and likeness of God. We want to see love. We want to give love. We want to receive love. Amen. And family, I'm going to tell you, if what is happening in our country doesn't move you, if what's going on in our nation right now doesn't move you, you need to check your image. You need to see whose image you're bearing. Amen. 
Hallelujah. As Christians, we are image bearers. We should look like Jesus. We should look like Christ. Hallelujah. And that's how we were originally created, but we lost it. We lost it. We don't look that way anymore. This is what allows people to commit atrocities and, and murder and genocide. And, 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 and what happens then is people see man in this fallen state and we blame God. We say, well, if God is so good, why does he allow all this stuff to go on? If God is so loving, why are there all these things happening all over the place? Why is this? Why is there racism? Why is there bigotry? Why is all these things? Why are there murders? Why are there all these abortions, all these different things? If God is so good, it's because he gave us free will. We choose. It wasn't God's intention for us to do the things that we're doing and being the way that we are. We chose that. When Adam fell, we chose it. Amen? Wasn't his intention. It was what we made it into. We traded his image for Satan's image. Adam traded God's plan and intention for Satan's plan and intention. And then we come out looking different than the way God made us. Let's, let's look at this here in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 verse 29. We read through verse 32. It's talking about fallen man. Fallen man, unregenerated man, natural man. says they are filled with all unrighteousness. Evil and greed and wickedness, full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, senseless, untrustworthy, unloving and unmerciful. And all they know, although they know God's just sentence, that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but even applaud others who practice them. You know, it's a shame when we have saints that are on social media sharing some of the things that we're sharing, sharing some of the wickedness that's going on, and we're getting, we got the nerve to get some likes over it. Oh, I'm preaching right this morning, amen? We, we should be ashamed. We should be ashamed of some of the things that we promote that we wouldn't permit in our own lives. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. We got to get this together. We got to get back to the image and likeness of God. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. He gives another list. Unregenerated man, natural man. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 says, but I know this. He says, excuse me, know this. Hard times will come in the last days. Why? But for people will be lovers of self. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents. Boy, that's in both of them. Y'all better watch out. Amen. Ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, watch this verse 5, holding on to the form of godliness but denying its power. Oh, I'm talking about folks in the church. That, that's not talking to, to folks outside the church because they don't have any power. He says, he says, you're in the church, you're supposed to have some power. You're supposed to have the ability to live right. But you have a form of godliness. You come to church, but there's no power to live it. Oh, glory to God. This was not God's intention for us. God didn't intend us to, for us to live the way we're living. He didn't intend for us to treat other human beings the way that we're doing. 
And he also, while I'm on it, he also didn't create us to go around tearing up our cities in response for the way that people treat us. Amen. Amen. What, we, what we're seeing played out before us is not the way God wanted it, because, but because of the fall, we've become so far removed from the image of God. We've become so far removed from it that, that we have no idea what it's supposed to look like. We have no clue how we're supposed to live or, or what, what we're here for, what we came to do, what we're supposed to be doing. Amen. So God sent Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We only see God's intention for man in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's look at this. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature. Amen. Glory to God. When you see Jesus, you see the Father. Look at John chapter 1 verse 14. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 says, In their case, in those who don't believe, says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan's, Satan's chief aim is to keep people from seeing what right looks like. He, he wants to keep people from believing that Jesus is the standard. Because if we start to believe he's the standard, we'll start to act like the standard. Oh, glory to God. Verse, uh, John chapter 14, verse 9. John chapter 14, verse 9. It, it, it is so funny because the devil has blinded the eyes of them that don't believe that even Jesus' own disciples were having a hard time identifying who he was. Look at this. John chapter 14, verse 9. Jesus said to him, have I been among you all this time and you don't know me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? You've been walking with me for three years. You've been walking with me for this long and you still don't know who I am. And family, that's what's happening to some of us in the church. We've been walking with God for a long time, but we don't have a revelation of who he is. Oh, come on, somebody. Not only did Jesus come to show us how to live, but he came to restore us back to who we were originally created to be. Hallelujah. He didn't leave us powerless. He didn't just say, hey, here's the standard. Work it out for yourself. No, no, no. He came to earth and he did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He came to restore us. He came to pay the price, pay the penalty for our sins and restore us. That word restore is to bring back to its original state. Oh, hallelujah. It's like when somebody restores a car. You know, they take time and they go and get the right parts and they, they sand it up and they make it look like it just came off the showroom floor. Amen. It's, a, it's a, a 57 Chevy, but it looks like it was just built today. Why? Because it was restored. That's what God comes to do for us. He sent Jesus to restore us, to bring us back to our original state before the fall. Amen. This is what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Hallelujah. And so here's where we run into a little bit of a problem. 
because we, we see this and we say, okay, I'm a new believer in Christ. Uh, now I need to figure out how I'm supposed to act. What are the do's and don'ts? Give me the task list. Amen. Because we're very, we're very doing oriented, if, if that's even a phrase. We're, we're all about doing things. Amen. So give me the task list. Tell me what the right thing is and the wrong thing is because I want to do it right. Amen. And we start going through the Bible and we start looking for all the imperatives. You know, we, we, we go to Galatians and instead of reading the first three chapters, we skip to five and six that tells us what we need to do. But we skip the chapters that tell us why we're able to do it. We just want them, we just, God, give me the task list. Tell me what I need to do. So I start looking up scriptures, and I go to Romans chapter 13, verse 14. And it says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, I can do that. I'm going to put you on Jesus. And, and don't make plans to gratify the desires of the flesh, okay? I can do that. I can do that, all right? Then I go to Galatians 5, 16. And it tells me, walk by the Spirit, and you won't carry out the desire of the flesh, okay? Okay, so I put on Jesus Christ. I don't make plans to gratify the desires of the flesh, and I walk by the Spirit, okay? Okay, I can do that, okay? It says in verse 24 in Galatians 5, it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, okay? So I got I to gotta put on Jesus Christ. I got to make, don't make any plans to gratify my flesh. I got to walk by the Spirit, okay? Okay, and then I have to crucify crucify this flesh. And then I go to Colossians chapter 3 verse 5 and it says therefore put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. Okay, I got to kill some things in me. That's what I got to do. So what, do I, what do I need to kill? Sexual immorality, impurity, and lust and evil desire. Okay, put it away. Greed, put it away. Alright? Okay, I got that. Don't lie to each other. Don't, don't be angry. Don't have wrath. Don't have malice. All these things. I get this list and that's what I want to do. I want to live this way, amen, and it only takes a little bit of time that I go and try and do it and I fail. But wait, I'm a new creature. But wait, why am I having this issue? Why am I having this problem, amen? I, I find all the rules and it, it only takes a little while before I find out that I don't really have the power to do it all. Oh, glory to God. And I start feeling like the Apostle Paul. I have to say the Apostle Paul or else Paul will think I'm talking about him. Romans chapter 7, verse 18. It says, for I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good, <clears throat> excuse me, is with me. But there is no ability to do it. I want to do it, but I can't. There's no ability. There's no strength in me to do what I want to do. He says, verse 19, for I do not do the good that I want to do. But I practice the evil that I do not want to do. I want to live like Jesus, but how? How do I do it? Has anybody ever felt this way? God, I want to change. I want to grow up. I want to mature. God, I don't know how to do it. I've tried it, God. And it, it doesn't seem to work for me. And let me tell you what you have to do. You have to go back to the right Pentecost. You have to go back to the right Pentecost. I told you earlier that Pentecost is a Jewish feast, and it stands for 50. The, the word penta stands for 50, and it was 50 days from the exodus from Egypt to arriving at Mount Sinai where they received the law. Amen? You, you know, when you really think about it, the story of Israel is an allegory to the Christian life. Amen. You had a people that was created and called to be in relationship with God, and they were in bondage and sin in the world, which represented Egypt, but they were rescued by a deliverer. Amen. And they were brought out and they were baptized in the Red Sea. Amen. And they were brought out to walk in relationship with God. 
and he brings them to Mount Sinai, and he gave them the Ten Commandments. He gives Moses the law, and Moses brings it to the people. But we see over and over after that that they continue to fail. They sinned. They continued to fail in keeping the law. Why? Because they didn't have the power to keep it. They got the rules. They got the regulations. But they didn't have any power to enforce it. And this is what we do when we, when we get saved. We want to we wanna do right. Amen? <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, I'm not saying that everybody who's, who is, is a carnal Christian necessarily wants to be that way. They don't know any better. And so that's why we have to grow up. And they want to do better. Amen. I remember when I gave my life to the Lord, I said, God, whatever, whatever I used to do, I'm changing. I'm doing it different. Amen. There was certain stuff I wouldn't watch. I wouldn't listen to certain stuff. I was really strict because I had done it for wrong for so long. And I said, God, whatever you want me to do, that's what I'm going to do. Man, I was tossing out all kinds of stuff. Amen. I was tossing out all kinds of stuff. And, and, and what I was doing was trying to find the rules. But I find that I kept failing because I was going back to the wrong Pentecost. I was going back to the giving of the law and not the giving of the spirit. I was going back trying to keep the rules and the regulations without the power that enables me to do it. You got to go back to the right Pentecost. Amen. See, the problem with rules is that the, the standard is good. The rules are good. Amen. But it's higher than what I can do in my own strength. Amen. Rules make you want to do what you're not supposed to do. I ain't get no amen. I got one half of an amen back in the back. Amen. Do you know why we break the speed limit? Because there's so many signs that tell us how fast we're supposed to go. <laughs> amen. There's so many rules, and we try to keep the rules, and the rules just remind us of what I'm not supposed to do. Our flesh doesn't like rules. Let's go back to Romans chapter 7, verse 18. He says, for I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my flesh. Nothing good lives in me, for the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. He says, for I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I don't want to do. Now, if I do what I do not want, I'm no longer the one who does it, but it's sin that lives in me. So I discovered this law. When I want to do what is good, evil is present with me. For in my inner self, I, I delight in God's law, but I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? And I thank you. I thank God that it didn't end. The chapter didn't end right here. It goes on to verse 25. He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's who gives me the victory. That's who's going to rescue me. That's who comes to deliver me. It's Jesus Christ. So then with my mind, I am serving the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. So there's two natures at war in me. But look at verse, look at chapter 8. Let's keep going right here. Chapter 8 of Romans. He says, therefore, because of all that I just said, because of all the sin that is lined up against me, because of all the power that the flesh used to have over me. He says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because, watch this, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the second Pentecost, has set you free from the law of sin and death, the first Pentecost. 
See, the first Pentecost put us under bondage to the law, but then God came and he says, no, I don't want you in bondage to it. I'm going to give you my spirit so you can fulfill it. Oh, hallelujah. Look at verse 3. He says, what the law could not do, since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. Oh, thank you, Lord. What the law couldn't do, because it was weakened by the flesh. What does that mean? I was the weakest link when it comes to obeying the law. My flesh couldn't handle it. Oh, come on, somebody. He said he condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son. So where I fail, Jesus succeeded. Where mankind couldn't get it together, Jesus walked with it all together. Glory to God. And he fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the requirements of the law. He said in order, verse 4, in order, I just lost my place. Hold on a second. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. I was preaching good too. Glory to God. Amen. <laughs> it says what the law couldn't do that it was weakened by the flesh. God did. Amen. And verse 4, it says in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. That means that the requirements of the law but through Jesus Christ are fulfilled in us, not by trusting in the first Pentecost, but by trusting in the second. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. The weak part of the law was me. I couldn't keep it. But he gave me his Spirit, and this is what we've been talking about. He gave us his Spirit. Amen. Look at John chapter 14, verse 16. John chapter 14, verse 16. Hallelujah. John chapter 14, verse 16. He says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. This is who we've been talking about. Amen. Verse 26 says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. He will bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. Amen. We've been talking about this. He says, you shall receive power. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, while the Jewish nation was celebrating the law, God was fulfilling the promise. Giving us the power to be able to keep the law. What was he doing? He was replacing one law with a greater law. Oh, hallelujah. He was replacing one law with a greater law. See, family, you can't annul the Constitution of the United States. You can't get rid of it, amen? But you can pass an amendment. You can pass an amendment. So the amendment becomes then a law that is greater than the original law. It supersedes the law that was passed in the first place. It doesn't take it away. It brings clarity to the law. It, it, it's a greater law. Amen? People wanted to free the slaves, but they had no power, so they passed a greater law. Amen? People wanted women to vote, wanted everybody to have the right to vote. So what did they do? They couldn't repeal the law. They made a greater law. Amen? That's why the Bible tells us the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. God passed a greater law. Hallelujah. And this is what he did. Look at Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26. He says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone. And give you a heart of flesh. Look at verse 27. I love this. He says, I will place my spirit within you and cause you, cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. 
God gave us the Holy Spirit so we can grow up. So we can grow up. Amen. Hallelujah. We get stuck too many times trying to trying to fulfill all the rules and we leave the relationship. That's why we're not growing. Family, when we spend time with God, he begins to partner with us. The Holy Spirit starts showing us areas where we need to fight. Areas where the battle is taking place. Amen. He shows us areas that aren't surrendered to God. Areas where the, the enemy still has control, where the flesh is still dominant. And, and what happens too often, family, is that we leave our prayer room after, after the Lord Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, has revealed some things to us. We leave our prayer room. We go back to the list. Okay, God showed me this, so I need to go work on this. I need to go and do this. I need to go and do this. But if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. If you go back to rule keeping, if you go back to the first Pentecost, it's just going to put you under bondage. But if you go back to the second Pentecost, he says, but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. See, we forget. Let's pull up Romans 8, 13. We forget this very crucial part of waging this war against our flesh. when We're trying to grow up. He says, if you live according to the flesh, what happens? You're going to die. And then we say, well, I've got to put to death the deeds of the body, but we skip the important part. But if by the spirit. You put to death the deeds of the body. You will live. We have the ability to grow up because we have him. Amen. Three things that I'm going to let you go. Many of us, family, we're not growing. Number one, because we're trying too hard. What? That's what I said. We're not growing because we're trying too hard. We're trying to go back to Sinai and do it ourselves. I'll do better. I'll change. I'll get it together. Wrong Pentecost. What we need to do is go to the upper room and be endued with power from on high. Oh, glory to God. And we need to get the power to change and do better, to allow God to help us get it together. They could have told my little baby cousin yesterday, just try harder to sit still. Just, just, do, just try a little harder. How do you think that would have worked? And she would have became frustrated. The parents would have came frustrated. No, she needed somebody greater than her to come and pick her up and take her to a safe place. This is what God has to do for us. We keep sitting in sin. We keep sitting in situations, and we're trying to fight. I'm trying harder. I'm trying harder, but we're not calling on the one who is greater than us to pick us up and take us out. We don't grow up because we think it's all about us. We think it's all on us. We're afraid to fail, so we don't even try. The devil's convinced us it's always going to be this way. You can't walk in victory in this area. You're always going to struggle with that. The devil is a liar. Amen. You have the power because the power's on the inside of you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead allowed him to defeat sin in the flesh and, 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 and reign on the earth. Amen. The same power that opened blinded eyes and made the deaf to hear and the mute to talk. Amen. The same one that made the lame to walk lives in you. Glory to God. Greater is he who's in us than he that's in the world. You have the power you need to grow up. Stop trying to do it on your own. Confess to the Lord. Say, God, I need help. I need help. We're trying too hard. Second reason we don't grow is because we don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is really sad because we feel like 
our, 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 our bondages, our situations, our sin has more power than he does. But really, in reality, we're not comparing the power to him. We're comparing the power to our willpower. We're comparing the, the sin to our own willpower. We don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. Matter of fact, I'm going to start at verse 13. Verse 13 says, we are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from steadily gazing until the end of the glory of what was being set aside. But their minds were hardened. For to this day at the reading of the old covenant, that's I'm talking about the old Pentecost, the same veil remains. It is not lifted because it is set aside only in Christ. Yet still today, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. Let me explain this here. What happened when Moses came down from the mountain after receiving the law, his face was glowing because he had been in the presence of God. His face was shining, and they used to put a veil over his face. They put a veil over his face, and it reminded them, hey, this is the standard. This is the law. Don't come closer. Don't come near. This is what you have to keep. You just go and work it out for yourself. He said, you can't have this. You can't be a part of this. You just have to go and figure it out. You're God's people, yes, but here's the law. Go keep it. That's what he did. Says, but but their minds were hardened. And to this day, verse 14 says, at the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains. When we read and we go back to the list without the power of the Spirit, we have that same veil. We can't see ourselves change when we look at the law. We can only see what we can't do. We can only see what we're not. We can only see what we should be and are unable to live up to. But thank God for another Pentecost. Glory to God. Look at verse 16, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. It says, but whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. <laughs> Glory to God. Whenever we turn to the Lord, that veil that feels like we'll never make it, we'll never be able to do what God has called us to do, it's taken away. Why? Because of the Spirit of God. Look at this, verse 17. I'm going to read verse 16 again, excuse me. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Look at verse 17. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. So now we all with unveiled faces are looking at us in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. And this is from the Lord who is the Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. He has come and removed the veil. He comes to give us hope. He said it's not about the rules. It's about a relationship. Come closer. You don't have to look at God with a veil over your face. Hallelujah. We can worship him in spirit and in truth. We can worship him in his very presence. Amen. Stop acting defeated. Stop looking at your sin like it's just so insurmountable. Amen. We got to grow up. Stop holding on to the flesh. Amen. Stop holding on to the things that God is telling us to let go of. Believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. He can do it. He can do it. Point number three, and I'm, I'm, I'm coming around third base. Amen. Point number three, the reason we don't grow, because we don't want to change. Amen. We've got the power of the Holy Spirit. We know that he's the change agent. We know that he's the one that makes all things new. He, we know that he's the one that comes to restore us and change us into the very image and likeness of Christ. We just don't want to do it. 
Amen. And, and, the, and the really bad part about it, Leatris, is that we don't want people to know that we don't want to do it. So we fake it. I ain't going to get no help in here this morning. Amen. He, we don't want people to know that, that we don't want to change, so we just kind of fake it. Okay, it's like Toys R Us. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. Amen. But we don't want to be left out. We don't want to be left out. So we act like we're mature. And we get mad when we're not called to minister. Sometimes we want to do things that we're not ready for. So we put on a front like we're mature. It's like a kid having a fake ID. <laughs> you got a fake ID, Jack? Okay. I had a friend. <laughs> excuse me. I, I, read, <laughs> I read a story about somebody who had a fake ID. They were 15 years old and they were riding on the train. And the inspector came along to, uh, to take the ticket. So the little 15-year-old person, they gave the ticket to the inspector. And then the inspector saw the fake ID in their wallet. And then took it out and looked at it. And it was a fake driver's license. So he assumed it was real and gave him a ticket for riding on a train using a child's pass as an adult. <laughs> See, what happens when we're immature, we want the privileges, but we don't want the responsibility. Okay, when we, we don't, we don't want to grow up, we want to do the work of God without having the responsibility of living. Oh, come on, somebody. We want a fake ID that says I can drive, but I don't want to pay no insurance. I don't want to pay for registration. And we do this because we want to look like we're free. We want a semblance of freedom. What we're really looking for is license. What license says is license gives me the permission to do whatever I want to do. That's what we're looking for. But see, freedom isn't just in the exercising of choice, but ultimately, it's in the consequences of our choices. Amen. I'm free to rob a bank, but I'm also free to go to jail for it. Amen. I'm free to use a fake ID, act like an adult, but I'm also free to take those same adult consequences when they come around. And family, I'm telling you, you got to get out of this mentality. You got to get in this out of this mindset. It's time to grow up, because if you don't grow up, now, I'm just going to tell you what the Lord is saying. If you don't grow up, you're wanting to be in ministry, you're wanting to do things, but if you don't grow up, you're going to watch people come into the kingdom and they're going to be catapulted into their ministries ahead of you. That's not what you want. You're going to sit back and ask, well, how come God won't use me? He wants to, but he's not going to send the baby out to war. Oh, come on, somebody. It's time to make a decision to grow up. Amen. Family, I'm closing with, since we've been on this journey, we've been in this transition state. We've been drawing closer to the Lord, and God has been showing me some things. And I was excited, you know, all of the, the revelation, and I expected to see some things in the Spirit, Sister Yolanda. I expected to see some, some glorious revelations and, and hear some prophetic words and, and, and things like that and for some people and some amazing things. And, you know, we start teaching and talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm expecting God's going to start talking to me about some stuff. Yeah, he talked to me all right. He talked to me about me. Mm. He's been showing me some things in my life that need an overhaul. Amen. He's been showing me some things that have a really shiny veneer, a really glossy exterior, but it's not a whole lot underneath. Oh, come on. Don't look at me like that. Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm not trying to look good. I'm trying to be good. Amen. God is challenging me in some things. And what he's doing, he's, I'm going into prayer and he's showing me one thing at a time. He says, look, I need you to work on this. I need you to do this. I need you to, to give this. And, and so I say, okay, Lord, I don't know how, but, but I give it to you. And he does it. Glory to God. 
Amen. He's showing us how to maintain the victory through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is why David prayed this prayer in Psalms 139, verse 23. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Family, we have the power. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. He comes to mature us. He comes to grow us up. But we've got to make a choice. We've got to make a choice. Amen. I don't, I don't want Bethany Worship Center to be a place uh, where that has playpens in the pews. Amen. I, l- l- let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. Bethany Worship Center will not be a place where we have playpens in the pews. Amen. If you don't want to grow up, you're going to find it very uncomfortable here. Now, understand what I'm saying. We want the babies. We want you to come because we're going to help you grow. We want you to come. We will feed you the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. But there's an expectation for you to grow up. Amen. And age doesn't equal maturity. I don't care how long you've been in the church. I don't care how long you've been saved. If you're not living it, there's a problem. You have a developmental delay. And it's time to grow up. It's time to make a change. And that's why we have to surrender. When he shows you something, give it to him. When he shows you something, when he reveals something that's going wrong in your heart, give it to him. Glory to God. He's come to help you with it. He's come to help us with it. We have to make a decision to grow up. Come on, let's pray.